This is blasphemy. This is madness. Stop the insanity. You're absolutely out of your mind. I think it's absurd. I think it's an abomination. I think it's a disgrace. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? You're a jackass. Embrace the madness. If you would have told me in August that towards the end of the season, the Eagles would clinch something that had to do with the playoffs three straight weeks. I would have told you how elated I would have been because that means they would have clinched everything you can clinch in the NFC, including home field advantage, which is what has happened. The Philadelphia Eagles sit at 13-2 and or the number one seed in the NFC. And I have sat here three straight weeks and been demoralized or frustrated or angry or pissed off for one reason or the other. And we sit here now trying to figure out what is the realistic expectation for the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles, even with the number one seed. Welcome in to another edition of The Madness, everybody. I am your Minister of Madness, Rob Lange, and I feel like I'm going mad because of this damn team and because of each week there's something else that we're questioning and no it doesn't make us negative it doesn't make us ignorant it doesn't make us jerks it makes us realists because realistically I don't know and I don't care how positive you are no one knows what we have in this team as it stands today on December 28th. I'm at a loss because it's like every time you're worried about one thing, that seems to write itself and then another thing goes the other direction. So we're going to try and talk about it all here today. Okay, this is going to be an Eagles show. It is going to be all about what happened on Christmas night, what to expect going forward, what to expect in the playoffs. It's going to be a lot, and because of TSJSports.com, that is why we are able to bring this to you live from the wonderful confines of the CSB studio. As always, you can find the podcasts at podcasts.thesportsjunkies101.com. That would be T-H-A, sportsjunkies101.com. All right, so you head over there. We'll put you right on the Block Talk radio page. It'll show you this episode as well as any episodes you might have missed in the past. And, and it's been an interesting time. It's been an interesting time. And we're going we're gonna to keep pushing forward and trying to figure out what we need to figure out. So let's start right away with Christmas night. It was cold. It was windy. And it was an awful football game. It was boring. It was boring. I sat out there. I left my family early to go to this game, as many others did. And we were not given a good product on the field in front of us. And it was a little frustrating at times, so much so that it was too cold 
for this old guy with a bald head to sit at his seats. I watched the whole second half from the concourse. Wasn't the only one. Wasn't the only one. Many people up there with me. Am I mad that the Eagles came out with a win? No. I was thrilled that they came out with the win. I was thrilled at the end of the game that no matter what happened throughout the course of that game, the Eagles were the number one seed in the NFC. And to get to the Super Bowl, you have to win at Lincoln Financial Field at least once to get there. But I'm not an idiot. I'm not Mr. Hey, a win is a win, and, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters early in the season. In December, you need to be playing your best football going into the playoffs. Just as in any sport, you want to be that team that is on a hot streak going into the playoffs. You want to be doing your best at that moment. And the last three weeks, the Eagles have not been at their best. Four weeks, really, if you go back to Seattle. You figure the defense had a couple bad performances. Then you get to the Giants game and you're just sitting there going, what the hell's happening? And then you get to Monday night. And the game starts off and the Eagles go three and out on the first drive. And you go, okay, uh, first drive, you know, let's see. Let's see where this goes. They get the ball right back, if I am correct. I, yeah, I mean, it was it was two... It was two straight drives. They get the ball, a seven-play drive for Oakland to start the game, then a three and out. So they get the ball, and the Eagles' offense gets the ball at their own 42, and they look good. 11 plays, 58 yards. They're running the football. They're passing the football. They're doing everything. It's a good mixture of run and pass. And it ends on a 17-yard screenplay to Jay Ajayi, and he, it looks like, okay, here we go. Everything's going to be okay from this point on. Well, then the defense falls asleep. Preferably two guys that have not been playing their best football, Jalen Mills and Rodney McLeod. And Amari Cooper gets behind him for a 60-plus-yard touchdown. Here's Philadelphia's drives after that for the rest of the game, might I add. Five plays, 14 yards, and a punt. Four plays, 16 yards, punt. The end of the half, good two-minute drill, 12 plays, 61 yards. Really shoddy play by Nick Foles down there uh, deep in the Oakland territory. And then Jay Galliott misses a field goal. Come back out in the third quarter. Three plays, two yards, punt. Three plays, minus nine yards, punt. Two plays, 14 yards, fumble. Five plays, 13 yards, field goal. That was on a shortened field because of Major turnovers caused by the defense. Three plays, minus 18, punt. One play, zero yards, INT. Three plays, six yards, punt. Three plays, minus two yards, punt. And then the final drive after the big pick by Ronald Darby. Six plays, 21 yards, field goal. Now you tell me. Okay, because there's so many people out there that want to sit here and say, oh, you guys are just being negative. Look at how you're criticizing a 13-2 and two team. Da, 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 da. You tell me if that sounds like a team poised to contend for a Super Bowl championship. You tell me that. 
Because I sit here and tell you you're out of your damn mind if you think that team is poised to win a Super Bowl champion. That doesn't mean I'm not going to sit here and root like hell all the way through this thing. I'm going to root like hell next week when they're playing Dallas, whether it's backups or starters. I'm going to root like hell in the divisional round that if they are fortunate enough to be in the conference championship, I'm going to root like hell. But there's nothing wrong with being realistic. And I don't want to talk about the expectations. We'll do that a little bit later. But I want to know what we saw in that game to sit here and make us feel good. And don't give me, hey, they won the game. That's all that matters. This was a team in the Oakland Raiders that had to travel from the West Coast, had to be away from their families and their friends and and significant others on Christmas Day, playing for nothing because they were eliminated from playoff contention the day before. And they came in here and went toe-to-toe with you and really made you have to win this game miraculously. And it wasn't the defense's fault this week. They made some shoddy plays, the defense. They did. The, you know, one play that didn't count uh, when, Amari, when they, Derek Carr just kind of threw it up. They had three eagles around it, and Amari Cooper came down with it. The touchdown to Amari Cooper, you know, I, I, you look at them, they didn't have what was impressive about the defense was Oakland had great field position all day, and they couldn't really do anything with it. They couldn't do anything. They had two drives of over 50 yards, I believe, and then nothing else over 37. So kudos to the defense that they were stuck in a bad place most of the game and performed very well. But for this offense going against a defense who wasn't known to be shutting people down, they had a decent rush defense, but their corners had been terrible. And they couldn't get anything started So the question becomes why? Where was the issue? Well, there were a few. One, and it's no surprise, was Nick Foles. Played terrible. He was awful. He was missing guys left and right. He was seeing ghosts. He had happy feet. You know, he he looked like the guy that people were concerned that he would become. The guy that was in... The guy that was in St. Louis... 19-38, 19 to 38, 163 yards. I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's not acceptable. Yeah, I've said he has to be a game manager, but he's got to make more plays than that. You're not going to win with stats like that. You're not going to beat any of the teams in the NFC with stats like that. I'm concerned because I don't know if that's just who he is. And I know people want to blame it on the weather. That's friggin' weak, dude. You cannot blame it on the weather. It's going to be like that in the playoffs here. It's Philadelphia. He's not playing the playoffs in Los Angeles. It's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. So that doesn't fly with me. That, that's not a good excuse. Oh, it was terrible condition. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You're not going to get away with that against better teams and everyone in the playoffs the better team than the Oakland Raiders. So, I don't know what this team has to do to make him better. I have a couple ideas. I have a few ideas. And one of them 
is run the football. I'm going to keep harping on it. And I know it didn't look good, and I know guys were struggling, and I know that they only had 78 yards rushing. Remember that 11-play drive we talked about? 11 plays, 58 yards, and a touchdown. Hell of a lot of running on that drive. And then they just went away from it. They ran the ball 21 times in the game. 21 rushes. I'd say six came on that drive alone. Now, I don't do math. I don't, I don't do all the equations, but that's a hell of a lot of the 21 on one drive. I don't know why Doug goes away from it. It doesn't matter if it's not working. You have to keep trying it. Especially when you have a quarterback that you need to protect. Mentally and physically. The football has to be run and it has to be run with Jay Ajayi. 14 carries is not enough. He touched the ball 17 times in the game. I'm sorry, uh, 16 times. It's not enough. You need to stop. He has to touch the ball 20, 25 times a game. Hands down. Hands down. This is one way to make Nick Foles more efficient. And it's not just running the ball to run the ball. The specific running plays need to change. It needs to be a power run. We need to stop with the shotgun run every play. Listen, people want to call Doug Peterson coach of the year, and there are many reasons to warrant that attention. He's done way better than most people thought with this team. He's had a ton of injuries to deal with. They are 2-0 and with a backup quarterback. You know, a lot of guys could have fallen apart in that. But what makes a great coach stand above the rest is adjustments. And he has to adjust what he's been doing. He cannot say, oh, we're just going to keep doing the same thing we did with Carson because there is a reason for this. Nick is not Carson. He can't do the same things. You throw the ball 38 times in a game with Carson, a few of those plays he's going to turn into his own and he's going to make something happen with his feet. Nick is a statue. He's a tin man. He can't move. He cannot move. So the offense has to change. This cannot be status quo like Carson Wentz is in the game. The running plays have to be different. They have to be. If they're not, the realistic expectation is this team is knocked out in the divisional round. Now, I'm not ripping Doug, everyone. I'm criticizing because you cannot run the same offense when you have two totally different quarterbacks taking the snaps. It can't happen. So this has got to be the huge thing over the next three weeks for Doug to figure out. Because he's not going to play his starters the whole game next week, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. You're going to have the bye week, and then you got the divisional round, and you're going to have the Saints or the Rams or the Panthers, Falcons. Somebody's going to be rolling in here. And if you don't change it, they're going to murder you. It's your hands down. So that's a problem. Doug, Doug and Nick Foles, we, we, we've talked about. The running game, though, 
is also a problem because of the personnel a little bit. I love Jay Ajayi, and I think he needs to touch the ball more. But the damn guy's got to hold on to the friggin' football. He cannot continue to put the football on the ground. Can't do it. Call Tiki Barber. Call Brian Westbrook. They had fumbling problems. Started holding the ball differently. They stopped having fumbling problems. Very simple. It's a simple fix. So, you know, that that's what he has to do. LeGarrette Blunt. I don't know. I, I just I, I look at LeGarrette Blunt. I don't know what's left. Great locker room guy. Great leader. I, I've loved having him on the team. But he just looks slow now. He looks be and, and you know him. He was a volume guy. And if he's not getting volume carries, you're not going to get much out of him. And personally, Corey Clement needs more than two carries in the game. Maybe give him five. If you go Jay Ajayi another three or four carries, Clement another three or four carries, Keep Blunt at that five, six carry mark, I guess. Now you're talking something. You're 25, 26, 27 rushes in a game. That's where you need to be. That's where they need to be. On the defensive side, now I don't want to harp on them too much because they were incredible in that second half. They really took it upon themselves to make sure they were going to win the game. They saw what was going on with the offense. They knew they had to go to another level, and they did. They made great plays. Malcolm Jenkins ripping the ball out. Patrick um, Robinson with a pick. Obviously, the Ronald Darby pick is huge. Chris Long with a strip sack. Um, you know, the the plays go on and on for those guys. They, they really came to play in that second half. But they cannot have these mishaps on sluggos anymore and double moves. They can't. They can't. Jalen Mills... And Ronald Darby have to stop biting. They have to. And if they do bite, and the play is designed for a safety to be able to take away that over the top, well, damn it, Rodney McLeod, get the hell over there and take it. But I want to spend some time talking about Jalen Mills. Because there was this huge calling for him that he should have been a pro bowler. Jalen Mills is not a very good cornerback. We love him because of his persona, the green goblin, the green hair, all that stuff. But he hasn't been that good. And lately he's gotten worse. Now I hope he comes out and plays like an all-pro in the playoffs. I do. But this thing where he's going to be the legit outside corner for this team is ludicrous. It's it's not going to work. Your hope has got to be Sidney Jones comes back and him and Darby are out there and, and you figure out a way to play Mills. Maybe he becomes a safety. I don't know. But just stop with this, oh, it's not Jalen Mills' fault. No, it is. It is. I understand that he's supposed to have McLeod over the top on that play, but he still bit. And then when Derek Carr closes his eyes and just heaves the ball up towards Amari Cooper and Jalen Mills and I forget who else was down there, someone's got to come up with the damn football. Someone has to come up with the damn football. Who knows? Maybe that changes the game. 
and like I said, this was not this was on the offense. I mean, listen, they had numerous opportunities to score, and Nick Foles missed passes and and things of that nature. But those big plays are what the Eagles hadn't been allowing this year, and they have to get back to that because if Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and Ted Ginn all come in here with Drew Brees throwing the ball, you're out of luck, Holmes. You're out of luck if they can't clean this up. They will get routed out of their own stadium. They will get routed out of their own stadium. So these are the things we need to talk about. Now, also, now this is more of a positive that I saw come out of this game. This defense has played better at home all year. There's no doubt about it. They have been at their best at home. I think they've given up 15 points a game at home. Now, their home opponents haven't been the best offenses. I mean, think about it. San Francisco before Garoppolo. Chicago. Denver. Oakland. The Giants, who actually torched them pretty well. Washington. They're going to play Dallas this week, but it's not going to matter. I think the other one was Arizona, who no Carson Palmer. So, I mean, their eight home opponents weren't great, but they do feed off of playing at home. It doesn't matter who you're playing against in the NFL. If you're only giving up 15 points a game at home, that means you're legit, that you're a good defense. So that's something to build on. That's something to be positive about. Because the fact is, this team won't travel again this year. Unless they're in the Super Bowl. They will not travel again unless they're in the Super Bowl. So that's something to take, put under your hat, and be happy about going forward. But man, they I tell you what, the, the most fun of that game was when they when they pinned their ears back and they went after Oakland. They had Carson and Ghost. They had him just throwing the ball up. Darby's pick was such a better play than you know. When you've been burnt on that slant and go route so many times, to just know that that's what was coming and to jump that route the way he did against a tough physical receiver and Amari Cooper, that's a hell of a play. And that's the kind of plays they're going to need. Chris Long has been great. The last few, he's been really good all season, but the last few weeks, he always seems to make that big play when it's needed. You know, this is this is when your leaders need to step up. And on the defense, they did. Malcolm Jenkins, huge strip. Brandon Graham was in the backfield all day. So I am not relieved. I think I'm I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because of how well they played in that second half. And now that has to carry over. And we'll talk about the amount of time off before they will play again in a game that actually means something. But that's a positive. That's a positive. Before we move on, Alshon Jeffrey. Two targets, zero catches. He says he's frustrated, but he's frustrated, and he damn well should be. Alshon is not a guy that you wait to get open to throw the football. You have to throw it to him and let him go get it. That's what his game is. That's what he is good at. That's what they were doing the last few weeks. 
So it's a situation where this has got to be on Frank Reich and Doug Peterson and Nick Foles to get him involved. He's got to be involved here, guys. He's got to be involved. There's, there's no other way around it. This is when paying him the money is supposed to mean something. Here's a guy that I think maybe played in one playoff game in his career who has been waiting for this opportunity. And when your offense is stagnant, he's the guy you got to go to to perk it back up. You got to throw one of those 50-50 balls up there and hope the hell he comes down with it. Remember, the catch radius that everybody talked about in the preseason. That's all you heard. Start going up top to him. Let him go and get it. I'm more upset about the targets than I am the fact that he had no catches. You can't target Alshon Jeffrey twice. He's got to be seven, eight targets a game. I mean, there is no way that Torrey Smith should have more targets than him, then Brent Selleck should have the same amount of targets as him. And you got to be better. You got to be better. This is not on Alshon. It's got to be on the quarterback, on the coordinator, on the head coach. Get him the frigging football and get it to him a lot. It has to happen. Now, when we get back after this short break, we're going to talk a little bit about expectations. We're going to go further into that conversation I started just a few minutes ago where we discussed the whole idea of this realistic versus negativity and all these people that seem to think that if you're being critical, if you're saying that it's not realistic to get to the Super Bowl right now, that that means you're not a real fan, that you should leave, that you're not allowed to root for this team. It's the stupid crap. It's the stupid crap. And it drives me absolutely insane. As always, TSJSports.com gives us this opportunity. You can always catch the podcast over at Block Talk Radio at podcast.thesportsjunkies101.com or on whatever device you're using, whether it's iTunes, um, the Block Talk Radio itself, tune in, any of them. You search the Sports Junkies 101 radio, sports radio, you will find our shows there. As always, you can always tweet us at TSJ Madness to join the conversation. And remember the hashtag TSJ Madness Mailbag. We do have a few questions in there for this week. We'll do that at the end of the show. But we want, we want to start conferring with you. So hashtag TSJ Madness Mailbag. And then also, as we've been saying for a while now, and unbelievably, uh, the new year is upon us. It will be here on Monday. That will give us 30 days to reach 1,000. And I'm talking about followers on Twitter, at TSJ Madness. Right now, we're not there. <laughs> we, are, we are way further than I wanted to be, but that's okay. We're going to be late risers. We're going to come through this thing. So please get the word out there. If anyone is into Philadelphia sports, like listening to podcasts, get them to follow the Twitter page, get them to start listening to podcasts, and let's continue to build this thing. The Madness. I'm Rob Lange. We'll be back in a couple minutes. You don't look like you're from around here.
Warum bist du aus Deutschland? I want to prove it. Welcome to America. Hey Google, how do you say I've got a boyfriend in Italian? Un ragazzo. Let's get one thing straight. I never tell you to drink Sprite, even if I was in a commercial for Sprite, which I am, or you were watching it, which you are. I would tell you to drink it, no matter what that cue card says. Ron, man, say it. No. Even if you just eating tacos with extra hot sauce, and you were holding an extra cold Sprite, and for some reason you're waiting for me to tell you to drink it, I still wouldn't tell you to drink that thirst-quenching Sprite. Even if this were a metaphor about Sprite, and I was talking about Sprite. And little Yachty here was paid by Sprite to write lyrics about Sprite. I still wouldn't tell you to drink Sprite. And even if all these cool influencer people were holding one, I still wouldn't tell you to drink a cool, crisp, refreshing lemon-lime Sprite. I'd ask you, you want a Sprite? Welcome back to the madness. Glad you're tuning in this week. As we said in the beginning of the show, it's been an f- interesting three weeks to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan because back in August, September, if we said that your Eagles would be 13-2 and and the number one seed in the NFC playoffs, you would say it must be pure jubilation and celebration, and it's just not the case. <laughs> Now, if things were a little bit differently, say, at the quarterback position, I think we would all be at a very elated um, attitude at this point. But since Carson went down, there has just been a couple negative things that keep us from getting there. But this does not make us negative. This makes us realistic. This makes us real people. And, you know, I heard my buddy E-Rock on his podcast put it in a great way. He, there, there are too many people out there that want to tell other people how to feel on both sides of this card. And if you're optimistic and you think this team could still win the Super Bowl, by all means, feel that way. But don't tell me I'm negative because I no longer see it that way. Because personally, I think I am just looking at it from a realistic standpoint. And yeah, I'm not being optimistic, but I'm not being pessimistic. I'm just looking at it on the surface from what I've seen. And the expectations are that 
this team could win in the first round. They could. Things have to go right. Things have to go well. A lot of things have to happen. But it's not a guarantee. It's not a given. And I know it's never a given. But if Carson Wentz was the quarterback right now, I'd have no doubt in my mind the Eagles were at the very least in the NFC Championship game. And honestly, I'd be sitting here probably telling you they're going to the Super Bowl. No one is coming into Philly with Carson Wentz a quarterback and beating the Eagles this year. There would be no doubt in my mind. None. None. But it is different now. And people that want to tell me, well, it doesn't have to be different just because it's Nick Foles. This is why we have him as your backup. You're right. We got him as a backup because he could be a serviceable backup. But that doesn't mean that your expectations don't change. Just like, for example, most people's expectations at the beginning of the year were 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven. A couple people out there said 10-6. and six. But very few people looked at this team and said they were a Super Bowl team. Halfway through the season, during the 8-9 game winning streak, the expectations changed. People said... This team could be a Super Bowl team. This team is the best team in the NFC. Hell, some even said this team is the best team in professional football. So the expectations changed there, right? And everybody was okay with it then. No one questioned it. No one said, no, no, this team's still 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, you heard people say, now I'm going to be disappointed if they're not in the Super Bowl. And they were right to be. That was a fair and accurate statement in the, mo- in the moment. But now, to sit here and still expect the same thing. See, that's what we're missing. We're talking about expectations. Not, we're not rooting, not that we're saying we're not even going to root for it to happen because it won't. We're saying people, and by we, I mean people that have, are on the same side as me, we are not expecting this team to be in the Super Bowl. We are not expecting this team to win the Super Bowl. Listen, if this defense was the Ravens of 2000, the Broncos of a couple years ago, then okay, maybe they could still do it with Nick Foles. I personally do not see them as a team that can win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles a quarterback. The defense is good, but not great. And the one thing the NFC has a plethora of is good offenses. When you talk about Atlanta to a certain extent, right? They got running backs, they got receivers, they got a quarterback. New Orleans, beyond a good offense. The Rams, have you watched Todd Gurley? Have you watched him? I I don't care where the hell he's running. I don't care if he's running here in London, in Zimbabwe, in Pakistan. I don't care where the hell he's running. He's running. So the offenses are just going to get better that this defense is going to face, and you're going to have to score points. From what I've seen, I don't believe the Eagles can do that. Could they do it for one game? Yeah. Two? Uh, I don't know. Three? Especially when in that third game, you're probably going to be playing Pittsburgh or New England is probably who you're going to play, but say something crazy happens. And say it's Jacksonville. Have you watched that defense? 
Now, Jimmy Garoppolo ate him up a little bit, but, you know, I don't know how much they were really playing for in that game. I, I don't know how much they would have shifted. So my, my thought process when I talk about my expectations changing is that it's just realistic when you look at what has taken place. Your matchup will matter here for the Philadelphia Eagles, okay? I personally, if you had to ask me what team am I scared to death of more than anybody, the team that scares me to death is the New Orleans Saints. Their defense is much improved, and that offense is electric on turf, outside of turf. Alvin Kamara is a matchup nightmare. Michael Thomas is a very good receiver. Drew Brees is a hell of a quarterback. And Mark Ingram is a freaking bruiser. And you saw what Marshawn Lynch did to the Eagles defense. I know he gave up a lot of points, but that was Marshawn Lynch's second best game of the year. Now, something to keep in mind. He had 95 yards rushing. 95 yards. So that team scares the hell out of me. Look at the rest of the NFC. Yes, the Eagles beat the Rams in L.A., but the Eagles were a different team for half of that game. Almost three quarters of that game. Why? Because they had Carson Wentz. That's a difference. It's a major difference. So the Rams are going to be looking for blood. The Rams' defense is good. Now, you can run on the Rams' defense. And that's where, if they play the Rams, that has to be the game plan. It has to be power runs, set up the play action, all that kind of stuff. Because you're not going to outscore the Rams. you got to shorten the game. Got to shorten the game. Keep their offense off the field. It's your best defense. The Falcons. I think the Eagles are better than the Falcons. I know... The Falcons have the talent, but they haven't put it all together this year. And that's a team where you take them outside of their dome. They are a totally different team. So I'm not too concerned about the Falcons. And I'm just, I know that the last playoff spot isn't fully there yet. It's either going to be Atlanta or Seattle. Carolina, playing better football right now. Now they struggle with Tampa, but they ended up winning the game. And they remember earlier in the season when the Eagles went in there and knocked them off. Tough matchup. Not one that I love. Not one that I hate either. Seattle. I actually don't hate the Seattle matchup, even with Nick Foles. I think Seattle played over their heads against the Eagles. I think that they felt challenged because they were underdogs by a good amount at home. And that pissed them off a little bit. And they came out and they outplayed the Eagles and they smacked them in the mouth. Bring the game here. See what they've done the last three weeks with two really bad performances against Jacksonville and then L.A. And then, yes, they won the game in Dallas and they swarmed them, but they didn't overly impress me. So I'm not worried if they were to have to get in. And then there's Minnesota, who most likely, unless a hell of a lot of things happen this week, you wouldn't see until the NFC Championship game. But you have to start being worried about them. And I've spent so much time saying, I can't worry about a team that's quarterbacked by Case Keenum. He's playing very well. And everyone's like, oh, well, look, they only won 16-0 in Lambeau. Well, first of all, 
Have you ever played a Lambeau in January? It's not easy for anyone. The fact of the matter is, I look at that and say, oh my God, they only gave up zero points in Lambeau to Green Bay. I don't care who the hell's quarterbacking. It hasn't happened in God knows how many years. That's concerning. If their defense is that good, their offense doesn't have to be great. They just proved they could pitch a shutout in a hostile environment on the road in January or December. That's a concern. (laughs) So when you talk about that, is it being negative or is it being realistic that the Eagles are not a terrific contender for the Super Bowl, whether they're the number one seed or not? Now, I will sit there and I will root hard as hell for this team. I will live off every play. I will be very disappointed if they don't make it, but not because I expected it, because I am a fan. And being a fan isn't about expectations. Being a fan that is even when the, when everything seems stacked against you, you show up and you root for your team. But it doesn't mean you have to have this false expectation to be a good fan. That's absurd. It's ridiculous. And anyone that tells you to be a good fan, you have to expect that your team's going to win every time they play, is an idiot and a jackass. Don't tell me what I have to expect. I'm going to expect, or I'm going to root for them to win every game. I'm going to hope to hell they win every game. Doesn't mean I'm going to expect them to win every game. That's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard, and it pisses me off. That people are acting like that right now. So what needs to change to make this, uh, this, I'm not saying it's not a possibility, so what makes this possibility reality? Well, you can't go 65-35 past the run ratio anymore, and that's what it was on Monday night. Just can't do it. I, I, don't, I don't care. Call me an idiot all you want. Doug, you cannot run the ball only 35% of the time and win in the playoffs with Nick Foles at your quarterback. He can't throw the ball 40 times and you win. Against good teams, it's not going to happen. You got away with it against the Oakland Raiders and the New York Giants. It ain't happening in the playoffs. It's not happening. So that has to change. Nick has to be better, though. He is still going to have to make some plays. You know, he's got to go back to the little shoulder shimmy against the Giants and make plays like that. When the first down's three yards away and he has the room, he's got to run and get it. Can't hold the ball and throw it the hell away. You got to hit your receivers when you have them open. He had Zach Ertz on that little seam up the middle for a touchdown that Carson Wentz has hit all year, and he overthrew it. You can't do it. You cannot do that. That has to be a touchdown come the divisional round and hopefully beyond. Defense. Those big plays cannot happen. For numerous reasons. First of all, they demoralize a defense. Secondly, you got the home field advantage that you all said you love because of the fans. Well, guess what? They're going to be demoralized if a big play happens. They're going to get demoralized. 
Don't allow it. Don't bite. And if somebody bites, there better be someone to back his ass up. These are the things that have to happen. And even though I'm, I've named three things, they are three big things. And it's tough for all of that to go right. Now, the things that give me a glimmer of hope. Number one, and this goes against everything I've just said about the guy, but Nick Foles as the starter of the Philadelphia Eagles, he seems to just find ways to win, doesn't he? Even if it's not him, even if it's the defense winning the game, he didn't lose much. The year 27-2, and two, they go 10-6 and six and they go to the playoffs. The following year before his injury, I think they were 5-1, and 6-1, and 6-2, something like that. He didn't play great that year. But they were always in a game to a chance where the defense was able to lock it down or Nick was able to make that one big play and they would win the game. Nick has found ways to win as the quarterback of the Eagles. And it's even happened these first two weeks. Have not been pretty, have been terrible, have been ugly. But the Eagles have won the last two games. And keep in mind, the Eagles were losing in L.A. And Nick Foles was the quarterback. Now the defense had to make a play, but then he had to go make a play. And he didn't screw up and turn the ball over and all that stuff. So he has found ways to win with the Eagles' wings on his helmet. Something to keep in mind. This defense, as we talked about, is playing great at home. That gives me a glimmer of hope. Because if they can do that, if they can really step it up another notch at home against the Saints and the Vikings and the Rams, well then, yeah, they could get to the Super Bowl. Doug has shown at times the ability to adjust. I have to hope three weeks will give him the time to adjust. And I say three weeks because we don't know how they will handle this upcoming week. So it'll be interesting to see what they do this week, if they're just going to play all the backups, if they're going to play the starters, and we'll talk about this towards the end of the show. So there is, but... With all that said, I've given you the positives. I've given you the reasons why my expectations are what they are. My expectations are low at this point. Who they play in the divisional round is going to matter, in my opinion. I I think it's crucial. If it's the New Orleans Saints coming in here, I have a really tough time believing the Eagles are going to beat the New Orleans Saints. I have a really, really, really hard time believing the Eagles will beat the New Orleans Saints here. If it's the Falcons, if it's the Panthers, if it's the Seahawks, I believe the Eagles should win the game. And it would be a disappointment if they didn't. I mean, I guess you'll, I guess you'd be disappointed if they didn't win any of them, but it would be a true disappointment if they didn't beat one of those three teams. If it's the Rams, which I don't know if it can be the Rams, if the Rams hold on and and, and get the three seed, it couldn't be the Rams. But if things change because 
The talk is McVay's going to rest his starters. He's not worried about it. A lot of people are saying maybe it's because he wants to play the Eagles rather than play Minnesota. I really hope the coaches aren't thinking that way. That's another tough one. Now, that's not one that I can say definitively one way or the other. I expect the Eagles to win. I expect the Eagles to lose. That's more of an up-in-the-air one for me because it would really depend on how well the defense contained because you're not going to stop Todd Gurley. I'm not as afraid of Jared Goff beating you in that game. Coming in here, cold environment, hostile environment, January, California boy. You know, I'm not, I'm not nearly as concerned about that. But it really would come down to containing Todd Gurley. So that game, I think, could go either way. Now, next week when we do the show, we're going to do a huge playoff preview. We're going to preview the AFC. We're going to preview the NFC and try and get a couple guests on. Uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm going to be reaching out to Benjamin Albright, who has been a really, really good friend of the show, and see if he could call in, um, You know, maybe give us some AFC stuff, get an NFC guy. We'll, we'll see how it goes next week. So that's when we'll do a lot of the, the playoff breakdown. But, you know, listen, you, you have to be a realist. And if your reality is pure optimism, well, hey, more power to you. But my reality is not. Doesn't mean it's all negative and it's all pessimistic. But I just look at what I've seen in front of me. I'm not, I'm not playing the stats here. I'm just looking at what I see in front of me. And what I see in front of me is a good defense, very good defense, not great, but very good at times. And I see an average offense right now. And the average offense is okay if there's a big play here or there and there are very little to no mistakes. You know, the one thing we haven't talked about is penalties. The penalties have got to stop. Whether they're good calls, bad calls, and different doesn't matter. The penalties have to stop. They're drive killers. And right now, the Eagles can't afford anything to be a drive killer. And secondly, first down and second down, they need to be in more third and shorts. They can't be in third and nines anymore. It's not Carson time. That was Carson's M.O. Oh, third and nine, third and 12, who the hell cares? We're getting the first down. It's got to be third and threes. It's got to be third and four. So if you're going to run the ball on first down, damn it, you better get out there and block, and you better power run it right up the linemen's you-know-what. Because you can't start with a four-yard loss on first down. It's done. It's done. You know it right away. If that happens, Nick Foles is going to be three and out. He's not getting that first down. He's not getting the first down. So it will be interesting to see how that situation plays itself out. This is the man that's brought to you by TSJSports.com. You can catch any podcast, this one, any of my past ones, podcasts.thesportsjunkies101.com. That is T-H-A, sportsjunkies101.com. We are brought to you. Buy those guys over at TSJ Sports. Make sure you're getting over to that webpage, checking those guys out. We run through Blog Talk Radio, but you can also catch the shows on iTunes, TuneIn app. Just search the Sports Junkies 101 Sports Radio. Remember our Twitter page at TSJ Madness. Remember hashtag TSJ Madness Mailbag. We'll be getting to the few questions we got from this week in a few minutes. But we want to keep building that, so hashtag TSJ Madness Mailbag. When we come back, we'll discuss what the Eagles should do this week when it comes to the starters. It's a heavy debate. 
You've seen arguments from both sides. Now, you're going to see an argument from my side. Embrace a man's back a couple minutes. Please remember, turn off your faucet when you brush today and every day. Santa, what presents will Kevin Durant find under his tree this year? Presents? We've got a rematch of the Western Conference Finals on Christmas Day, and we're talking about presents? We're in here talking about presents, not the game. We're talking about presents. Is that what we're talking about? It's the thirst, thirstiest time of the year. I have just one query. Want a Sprite Cranberry? The answer is clear. It's the thirst, thirstiest time of the year. Sprite, let's go. Nick Young, you know, the Cavs-Warriors finals rematch is a gift to the world. I would like to return the favor, so tell Santa a few things you'd like for Christmas. I want a win. Okay, Triple-double would be great. At least 48 points. A clean block on LeBron. Oh, yeah. I'd like for you to take me to space. Oh, sounds fun. All right, well, we got you this gift card. Ben Simmons, I bet all you young Philly guys are like little kids on Christmas. There's a big present waiting for you, and, and you pull it out, and it's a unicorn from Latvia. Welcome back to the madness. This might be the most uncool thing I've ever said on this program. But this song right here gets me fired up every time I hear it. For those of you who don't know who it is, it's Pat Benatar. And I don't care if you like it or not. Because this song fires me up. And, you know, for all of those out there, the positive Eagles fans, it's called Invincible. So, you know, hey, it works in many ways for us, doesn't it? Okay, so I'm going to let this thing ride. I, I don't care. You could call me uncool. You call me not a man for this. And Pat Benatar was jamming back in the day, way before I was born, but that's okay. I could still listen to it. So with that said, and now the fact that probably half of you tuned out as soon as I told you I liked Pat Benatar, it's fine by me. <laughs> we are back to the madness. And we want to just talk a little bit about the thoughts of what we think the Eagles should be doing this week when it comes to their starters. Now, obviously, they're playing the Dallas Cowboys. The game means nothing for anybody. Dallas eliminated. Sorry, guys. I know that you thought you were going to make me eat my words from my little memorial to you guys a few weeks back. But, no, those, those words still stand. You're done. And now you got issues. you got Dez issues. you got Dak issues. They're keeping the coaches around. 
it is Dallas week, so I figured I needed a few minutes of ripping you live over the over the uh, podcast. So uh, it's Dallas week, but obviously with nothing, no meaning to the game, the question is now arose: What should Doug do with the starters? And I believe that it should be a case to case basis in this situation. Let's start on the defensive side of the ball where I think most guys should get a rest. I think guys like Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins, Ronald Darby, Bradham should get a rest. There are certain guys on that side of the ball who I think need to play just from a reps standpoint. It looks like Danell Ellerby is your new middle linebacker. He's your new starter at the position. I wouldn't be upset to see him out there for at least a quarter, maybe a half on Sunday. Let him get his feet wet in the position. But, you know, you, you think of things like, so So he's one guy that is considered a starter, I guess, now who I'd like to see out there. Jalen Mills, you're probably not going to play him. I, I think he could use the reps, but at the same time, I understand not playing him. So, the way I look at it, you need to play some of these young. Elijah Qualls should play. Fletcher Cox should not play. Timmy Jernigan should not play. Should be a Bo Allen, Destiny Vallejo. All those kind of guys should be in the lineup. Joe Walker should get a lot of time. Najee Good should get a lot of time. But on the defense, who we're all waiting to hear for and see about is Sidney Jones. Does Sidney Jones make his debut in this game to, to get his feet wet in the NFL? Now, there's a couple issues with this. If he does, that means someone else has to get released from the 53-man roster. So who are you going to release? Who's a guy that you can part ways with and feel okay in a situation like this? I don't think there's any of these guys hanging out there that you could put on the IR you know, for the rest of the year. So it's, it's, it's a tough situation. I personally, if he can play, if he's healthy enough to play, would love for them to get him out on the field. Not because I necessarily want to see him using the playoffs, but just to get him some game experience so we can get an idea of what he's going to be. But I understand that they decide against it from a number standpoint. Uh, Rasul Douglas has to play, and has to play a lot. Because personally, I think you might have to go to Rasul Douglas in the playoffs a little bit. So that's that's another young guy. So that's the defense side ball. Obviously, the big question is on the offensive side of the ball, is Nick Foles, do you or don't you? Damned if you do, damned if you don't. To me, it's not a question. Nick has to play at least the first half. He has to. He has to. If he would have come out against Oakland and did exactly what he did against the Giants and looked good and was on point and was had good chemistry with the receivers, then yeah, I'd say maybe you sit him. He's not ready for playoff football right now, and he's got no chemistry with these guys. So, unfortunately, that means I think you got to play Alshon a little bit. You got to play Nelson. Now, you want to bench Zach? You want to bench Ertz? That makes a little more sense to me because he's dealt with a lot of injuries this year, and there obviously is a connection between the two as he got 14 targets against Oakland. So, you want to sit him, and you want to let Trey, and you want to let Brent Selleck play then that, that, that's fine. But I think the outside guys need to play. From the running back position, I think it should be a heavy Corey Clement game. 
I don't really think you need to run Jay Ajayi too much. Not even LeGarrette Blunt. Let him rest himself because he could be a big bruiser. He knows how to play in the playoffs. He's going to be one of those guys that has to be a leader on and off the field in this in this playoff run. Offensive line, I think it's a you know, listen, you gotta if it's Warmack, it's say Amalu. You don't play Johnson. You don't play Kelsey. If you want to bench Vitae, I get it. You want to let these other guys get some time. Uh, you know, you signed Will Beatty. You know, you want to get him some time, some reps out there. A couple other offensive linemen that you might have in the team. That that makes sense to me. I understand that totally. But this idea that you should just bench Foles and let him sit for two weeks, I think it's a terrible decision. I think you're setting yourself up for failure if you do that. And if you only want to play him a quarter, I still don't think that's enough. I think he has to play the first half. Now, some would say, well, you just said to bench the the offensive line. It's a great point. So does that mean you have to play the offensive line? I don't know. I mean, there's no just like single decision. Like, okay, I can play Nick Foles and not worry about everything else. Because you do. He has to be protected. He absolutely has to be protected. I'm not as worried about what, what a lot of people talk about. Oh, they're going to be too rusty, and then they're going to come out and not play well in the in the playoffs. It's been a lot of teams that have rested their guys in the last week and have played extremely well and won. And there's been a lot of teams that have not rested their guys and played them in the last week, and they've lost. So that doesn't bother me too much because this, the stats are probably very even with that. But I just I, I look at Nick Foles and say he needs the reps. He needs to get chemistry with these guys. I don't think you can continue to sit here and play it out and just say, well, you know, I know he hasn't looked good, but let's just give him a couple weeks off here and we'll start right back up in the divisional playoff round because I just think it's a recipe for disaster. And from the sound of it, even though he hasn't come out and said it, it does sound like Nick's going to play a little bit. You know, now if say he comes out and he goes right down the field two drives and leads him right in for touchdowns and he looks good and the offense looks efficient and they're clicking, you want to pull him okay. You know, you treat like treat it. I think I think the game should be treated like the third preseason game, like the dress rehearsal game. Let them play, see where they're at. If it doesn't look good, keep them out there. If it looks good, all right, let's pull them. Let's just get, and let's be ready for two weeks from now. I think that's how this game needs to be treated. On the defensive side of the ball, maybe more like the second preseason game. Except some guys I would just like. To, to me, you don't, you don't dress Fletcher Cox. You don't dress uh, Timmy Jernigan. You don't dress Chris Long. You let these guys get rest. Let Derek Barnett get a lot of snaps in there. Let Vinnie Curry play a little bit. Obviously, Brandon Graham's not going to be playing with this ankle injury. I'd be shocked if he was playing. So it's going to be interesting the way it goes. And obviously, I'm not even going to make a prediction on the game because I could care less be wonderful to send Dallas home with another loss. And I think that would make them under 500 for the year at seven and nine. Is it wrong that I would love that? <laughs> I love watching them just, you know, wiggle and then cry and whine. It just would be so good for me to see. So we'll see. But in my opinion, I think that the offense should be played like the third preseason game. When, when, when I, if I want to put, uh, a good example on there. I think that's it. The third preseason game would be perfect for this offense. So before we end the show today, we're not going to go our normal 90 minutes because one, none of you want to listen to me talk for 90 minutes. And two, I don't really know if I can talk (laughs) for, for 90 minutes. So 
Before we end, we did get a couple questions through the uh, hashtag TSJ Madness mailbag. Uh, they were actually other NFL news. It had nothing to do with the Eagles or the Sixers or anything going on in Philly, which is okay. Like I said, I want this mailbag to be open to many numerous things. I want to talk about th- this thing can be sports, non-sports, don't care. I'll talk about it. So uh, the first question came in, and since I am a rookie at the mailbag, I did not write down who these came in from. That will change from now on. Hashtag TSJ Madness Mailbag. I will write down the names with the questions, and I will get to as many as I can at the end of a show. But we did get a few questions here this week. So the first one came in and said, give me your thoughts on the James Harrison situation, which I liked, because I did want to talk about that anyway from multiple levels. First of all, if you've missed the story, obviously James Harrison has been or was released by the Pittsburgh Steelers after not playing in the last few games and proceeded to go and sign with the Patriots. <laughs> and I, I need to look at this from a couple different levels. I need to look at it from if the guy from my team signed with a rival. And it happened. Many years ago when Terrell Owens was cut by the Philadelphia Eagles unceremoniously, he went and signed with the Dallas Cowboys. And I hated him for it. But my anger towards Terrell Owens was more disappointment that it didn't work here because we all thought that it was going to be this great thing. So that's where our anger for Terrell Owens came in. Now, Terrell Owens wasn't a guy who had played for our team for years and years and years. Wasn't a guy who did everything he possibly could to win here was a great citizen, was a guy that the fans loved for years, like James Harrison was in Pittsburgh. A more comparable situation, although he didn't go to a rival, it was Brian Dawkins. The Eagles that chose not to re-sign him. He went out, he looked for another team, he got a contract offer, the Eagles chose not to match it. And he went, to the Denver Broncos. I had no ill will for him. It was the only time in my life because of the anger I had in my heart that I thought about leaving the Philadelphia Eagles as a fan because I was so pissed off that they would allow the heart and soul to leave just like that. Now, there have been reports, and, and this, this this is like the childish childish crap that, that comes out. Teammates are ripping him. Oh, he was sleeping in meetings. Oh, he was doing this. Oh, he was doing that. Okay. I mean, but but you really get a... Ri- what James Harrison did over the length of his career for the Pittsburgh Steelers was give them everything he has. So for the players to do that, I think that's really, really childish. I think it's really it's just in bad taste. If it wasn't going well, fine. Just let him leave. Hey, wish him the best and move on. You don't have to start dragging his name through the mud. He deserves more than that. For the fans of Pittsburgh, and I I talked about this months ago when people were trying to burn Isaiah Thomas jerseys and Dwayne Wade jerseys. It's ridiculous. And especially in this type of a situation to burn a James Harrison jersey. Because he went to the Patriots. 
you could be mad as a fan because, and I get that. That's I was mad at Terrell Owens, and I've gotten over it and looked back and said, well, you know, I was mad because I hate Dallas. But to burn his jersey after everything that guy gave to your franchise, I mean, you got to grow the hell up. That's ridiculous. First of all, I want to know what you do for a living because those things ain't cheap. You're just burning them. <laughs> Listen, if I tried to burn a jersey right now, uh, my marriage would probably end because of the money that I spent on that jersey and then it gets burnt because I'm angry. So I think I think Pittsburgh as a whole, I think the fans, I think the organization, I think, I think they all handled it in poor taste. I'm not saying James Harrison was doing the right things while there. Obviously, he wasn't. Obviously, he wanted to be released. But I don't think we can hold it against him for going to the Patriots. The guy's at the end of his career. He's not in this for the money. What's he want to do? He wants to win. And what better place to go to win than Pitts, uh, than New England? Because they win all the time. So I think, uh, you know, I think Pittsburgh's a little ridiculous. And now makes me want to root against them harder than I probably already would have. So there's that. All right, next question that came in was about another situation in the NFL. And the question read, have you seen what's been going on in New York with the Giants? Talk about an unbelievable bad word show. <laughs> a poop show, shall we say. And it is. It's, it's, it is as ugly as a scene up there as I've seen in a long time. I mean, when you, when you see one of your players come out and legitimately say, well, I'm not going to name any names, but one of these guys, the first-round pick is a cancer to the team. And that was Landon Collins talking about Eli Apple. I mean, that doesn't go over well. And you don't know who's at fault. I mean, Landon Collins shouldn't be airing that out there, and that's why he gave his half-ass apology that I personally thought sucked. Um, but there are problems there. And then, and then it's like all that happens, and then, oh, let's just suspend Eli Apple. <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, that is, that is terrible. That's the third suspension in the defensive backfield this year? Landon Collins, DRC, now Eli Apple? What the hell is going on? First of all, your D-backs coach should be fired. And something needs to happen within that organization because they are going to hell in a handbasket right now. And I don't know what it's going to take. I, you know, the... the is it time to blow it up? Probably. Do you have to move on from Eli to do that? Yes. But is it going to be a fire sale? Or are they just going to start getting rid of these guys? And if they are, the NFL needs to keep a or teams need to keep a look on it in the rest of the NFL. Because there's some good players that are probably going to become free with this. But man, you, you talk about a team, you know, people thought that they, after the 10 and 6 run in the first year of McAdoo, and the defensive players they brought in, they said, man, this team's going to be good. And they have just gotten worse and worse. And it looks really, really, really bad right now. Really bad. Last question in the TSJ Madness mailbag. Has nothing to do with sports. Definitely came from somebody I knew who knew that they wanted to get me on this topic at some point that I was going to want to discuss this situation. And it says, hey, Rob, know you're a big Eminem fan. 
was wondering what you thought of the album that people are absolutely ripping apart and saying it's a huge disappointment. I am a biased reporter on this. <laughs> there has been very little that Eminem has put out that I have not liked. But I, I, I like the album a lot. It's not his best album. It's not certainly not his worst. But what people are missing are the certain nuances of Eminem. First of all, I think this album was done for multiple reasons. One, I think he wanted to state his political beliefs and let people know how he feels about a certain man in the White House. I'm not going into how I feel about that certain man at the White House. You may already know how I feel about that certain man at the White House, but I don't want to turn this show into a political show in any way, shape, or form. But, um, you know, so I think he wanted to put that out there. Number two, I wanted he, I think he wanted people to see just how good of a rapper and artist he is, which he is. Whether you like his songs or not, if you listen to the man and his flow, it is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. And what I hate is the young kids who, who listen to all these guys out there with stupid names and that to just repeat the same damn thing over and over again Try and tell me that Eminem's not a good rapper. It's out of it's out of freaking control. Okay? I tell you this. You can't tell me that you love Wiz Khalifa and you love a boogie with the hoodie and then come and tell me anything about Eminem or anything about any legitimate rapper from back in the day. And I'm not even going to sit here and tell you I'm this big rap aficionado. But I know one thing. Those guys can't hold a candle to Eminem. I know that. And then the other thing is on this album, he does a lot of, um, I don't know, I don't want to say soul searching, but I mean, there's there's four or five songs in the end of the album where he's pretty much apologizing to his daughter for having her all screwed up because he put her in the limelight at a young age. You know, he's doing, he's, he's looking into himself and, and he's talking about things that he wish he could change, but he's also saying, I'm not leaving just because you guys tell me I'm done. I know I could still do this and he can still do it. And the album is good, damn it. I will not sit here and let people tell me it wasn't a good album. Especially at a time where rap albums suck. Nobody puts out a damn good rap album anymore. Rap is, is dead almost. Outside of when these older guys come and put out an album. I'd love to say that the time has passed and, and we're on the newer and better things. But we're not. These guys stink. They stink. So that's how I feel. About Eminem. But with that, we come to the end of the mailbag for this week. Keep those questions coming. Hashtag TSJ Madness Mailbag. Tweet us at TSJ Madness. Good show. Good show. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. I hope uh, whether you agree or disagree, you, you keep up the conversation with me on Twitter. Help me get these followers up. By January 31st, we are about... <laughs> 585 away from where I want to be in the next 32 days. So let's get this thing up. Let's get this thing moving. I want to thank TSJSports.com. Remember, podcasts.thesportsjunkies101.com and the is spelled T-H-A. That's where you can catch this podcast. You can catch every podcast I've done, all listed there. And that comes from our friends over at Blog Talk Radio. 
you don't want to log on the computer, if you're a big podcast listener on iTunes, search the Sports Junkies 101 Sports Radio. Search for the Madness Podcast. All the, They will be in there with all the dates and everything else. Next week, playoff preview, baby. Wildcard weekend is right here. I hope you all enjoy Week 17's games and whatever they bring. And until next week, embrace the madness, everybody. <laughs>